Welcome into another edition of Soccer and Snow and Smoke, the soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. I'm Andrew Houghton. Hope everybody's having a great summer. We're happy to be back with you for another Soccer and Snow and Smoke. I know we've taken a little bit of time off this summer, but hoping to hit it hard. These next couple months, we got the Women's World Cup coming up, of course. Uh, and then before you know it, high school soccer and the Montana Grizzlies will be here this fall. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you, as always, by Zootown Sports Cards. Missoula's hub for all things sports card and memorabilia collecting. Go down and see Jason and Hillary in the Stevens Center, 2100 Stevens Avenue. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is also brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Whatever your phone and internet needs, whether business or personal, Blackfoot Communications has you covered. Very excited about today's guest, a connection that I found through our friend Ross McMoney's. We were watching the Champions League final at the bar together. I've had questions about this aspect of the game for a very, very, very long time. And so I I asked Ross who he thought the best referee in the state was. And one of the names that he gave me is today's guest here to talk a little bit about her soccer background and then also about that part of the game. Somebody who's, who's refereed around the state, Jordan Brown. Jordan, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your soccer background, where you're from, and, and how you got here. Sure, no problem. So I grew up in Great Falls, uh, you know, just a few hours from here. And I started playing soccer when I was four years old and quickly learned that the refereeing aspect was also really cool and interesting to me. So I started refing when I was eight years old, uh, refing those little four-year-olds. And uh, it was really, really great. It was a good way to just have another point of view in the game other than being a player. And uh, from there, my parents were referees as well, and then my brother was a player. And so we just kind of came up as a referee family, a soccer family. And I continued to play all the way through high school and then recreationally after that. Um, But I maintained a pretty strong referee presence uh, throughout my community. And um, refereed youth soccer probably from eight years old up until the last couple of years when COVID hit. in 2020. And then after that, um, let's see, I'm bouncing around a little bit here. Uh, with youth soccer, um, I was offered the opportunity to go to President's Cup and regionals a couple different times. And after about five years at regionals, I was um, given the honor to go to nationals, and which was super cool. It was, uh, it had been since like 2003 since we had a referee go to nationals. And this was now in 2019. Where was that? Uh, nationals was in. Um, uh, Overland Park, Kansas. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so that was super, super sweet. Uh, first female referee going there from Montana, which was even awesomer for me, more awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, that was an unbelievable experience. There's only about 205 referees that are invited across the nation. Wow. Um, and um, only five about are invited back based off of their performance at nationals. And I was invited back. Wow. And so that was just, you know, a big pat on the back to show me that I've worked really, really hard to get there. And at nationals, I was given a position to work um, uh, as an AR on the U16 boys finals match. And that was the most heated game I think I've ever been a part of. Um, but it was very rewarding just to be be there. Refing, <laughs> uh, most games can get crazy just because, you know, we're in the referee standpoint and have a lot of stuff being shouted at us or just things um, in general. And so I wanted to see if that was kind of the same for high school as well as college. Yeah. And so um, you're not really supposed to ref high school when you're in high school or college in college. Um, I guess once you graduate, you're kind of good to 
to do it all. But um, so as soon as I graduated high school, I started um, refing high school. And then um, I also started refing college immediately as well. Since I wasn't going to play in college, I wanted yeah. to be able to stay in the game and uh, be a part of it. And it's a good moneymaker. <laughs> so that was pretty great. I, I wanted to ask how long your parents had been doing it. Oh, sure. Yeah. So they got started uh, right as my brother and I were starting kicking a ball at, uh, you know, two and four years old. So I'd say right around 1994 is kind of when we got started. My parents got into coaching and refing right then and there. And then uh, my dad and mom still referee to this day. 30 years later. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. What was it like when you were when you were just starting out, when you were doing it that, that young? For me, I think a lot of kids go out there and think it's a job or something that they're really scared to do. For me, it was just something fun to do because I was doing it with my dad. Yeah. Um, I had already, when you become a referee as a player, you have such an understanding of the game already that it really helps you just enjoy it a lot more. Whereas if you don't have that understanding of the player standpoint and you become a referee, it's a lot more of a job, in my, in my opinion. Well, you're trying to pick up on it at the same time as you're actually doing the job. Which is also really great. I mean, the those who have not played before make great referees because they're very unbiased. You know, they, they don't have that emotional tether to the game as much as players do. And so um, sometimes they make better referees because they're just a little less judgmental. So what are, what are you doing now? What are you doing these days? Uh, so right now I'm just regular work and I'm getting ready for college season. So I haven't refereed high school and youth in a few years. Um, unfortunately, the referee abuse has gotten extreme. I mean, beyond extreme. I finished my uh, master's of public health in 2019 and my uh, whole thesis was on referee abuse. So I studied wow. that for two years. Um, and then give my dissertation around the state and a few other places. Okay, that's fascinating. Let's let's go there. Let's sure. talk about that. What what was it like looking looking into that? I mean, what were sort of the conclusions that you came to? Yeah. So one of the the biggest things that I wanted to approach was our retention rates because as a state, you know, we don't have high levels of soccer, um, but the soccer that we do have is great, and we need great referees for it. And so it's really hard to maintain a level of excellence in our referees if our retention rates are dropping and if we're not like recuperating that or even helping the newcomers because they often will try it out, get abused, and then they're gone the next season. And you can't really build on excellence if you just always have new referees. And so that was something that I really wanted to understand is where the abuse is coming from, why it's happening, why and how it's gotten worse, um, and then what can we do about it? And so what I've understood is it's just uh, it's hard for me to understand uh, the parents anywhere from kids that are 18 and younger. Their parents tend to think that their soccer games, the World Cup. Sure. I mean, absolutely. It is like if we don't win this game, we can't survive Monday. <laughs> and it's just so crazy to me because they're out there just trying to have fun. I mean, we're not even in a state that goes you know, to an extreme level of soccer. Correct. We're recreational soccer here. And so to be yelling at the referees that are just honestly trying to keep a fair and safe game, it, it is really hurting our, our levels of excellence in refing. Um, so what I found mostly is that the abuse has gotten a lot more personal. It's gotten a lot more provocative. It's gotten louder. Um, and so rather than, hey, ref, you suck, it's Hey, Jordan, did you go to the bar last night? Wow. What are you doing today? Why aren't you on your game? And so it's, it's, they are now knowing my name, calling it out loud, sometimes referencing my gender, 
usually, you know, I'm, I'm a 30-year-old female that looks about 20. And yeah. so on a college match, when those men don't think that the, the female, young female out there, you know, is doing right by their game, or even just a, a dad who doesn't think that they're doing right by their 16-year-old son, um, it, can, it can get just a little heated, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's super interesting because like you said, in Montana, it's not, you know, I've been in places where there's really pressure to, I think a lot of times the pressure to earn a college scholarship in the sport is driving it. In Montana, in soccer, there are opportunities for that, but not at a very, very high level. So it's interesting that you're still seeing that. How do you study something like that? Is it just talking to other people? Is it a lot of your own personal experience? How did you how did you go about that? Yeah, so I took a lot of my own personal experience and kind of um, mapped out the themes and the factors that led to those personal experiences. And then I also um, interviewed probably close to a thousand different referees wow. just on their experiences over the past years that they were, have been refing, whether it was year, a year, whether it was 30 years. Um, and I sent the interview out to the Northwest. Since I have refereed at regionals and nationals, I at least know some other referees um, in our region. And I was able to send it to them to kind of get their input to see if their state and their, you know, delegations differ from the abuse that we're receiving here. Um, The biggest request was, can you do some more research into basketball, football, volleyball, all of these other sports that also are having a lot of issues? One of the main issues is that we're just not seen as a human. And like parents and spectators, coaches, whatever, they see the stripes and they're like, okay, that's somebody we can yell at and it's going to be okay. They obviously feel fine by us yelling at them. So we're going to continue to do it. I really lucked out. I had a soccer family. I had a dad that refereed. Um, After every soccer game that I've ever refed, I've talked to my dad. We debrief. We spend almost 40 minutes to an hour talking about the game or games that I've refereed that day. And if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have been as successful. There's a lot of referees out there that come out, do a game or two, don't have anyone to talk to about how they felt in the game, the mistakes they feel like they might have made. Yeah. We have just a few seconds to make decisions and move on. But then after the game, we process all those thoughts. And if we don't have someone to process with that's experienced, we feel overwhelmed and like we don't want to do it again. Soccer and Snow and Smoke is brought to you in part by Blackfoot Communications. Stay connected with Blackfoot Communications. Whatever your internet and phone needs, whether they're business or personal, go to goblackfoot.com to see how they can help you stay connected. And if you're a small business, see how they can help you grow your business with their Connect to More program. That's goblackfoot.com. Thank you to Blackfoot Communications. Thank you as well to our other sponsor and Zootown Sports Cards, Missoula's hub for all things sports card and memorabilia collecting. Located in the Stevens Center at 2100 Stevens Avenue, nice and central to everything in the Garden City, and with a great collection of sports cards for you to peruse, whether you're looking for packs or for singles. Still running our Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast special at Zootown Sports Cards. Go down there and let them know that you heard about them on the podcast. They'll hook up a special deal for you. I've got to get down there myself to see how their inventory's changed. It's always changing, always new stuff to look at. That Zootown Sports Cards, 2100 Stevens Avenue in the Stevens Center. Big thanks to both of our sponsors. Now back to soccer and snow and smoke. Jordan Brown joining us for Soccer and Snow and Smoke, a woman who's refereed all around the state since she was eight years old. Um, She's been doing it for a long time. 
walk me through how you prepare for a game, what you're doing leading up to it, how much you study the teams, what your routine is as you're going into a game. Absolutely. Um, so to be you know, best prepared for a match, you figure out the teams, uh, what, who the teams are, and then you kind of go and you figure out their stats. When was their last yellow card? When was the last red card? Which player was it? Um, what issues are they having? Talk to other referees that have refereed those teams. See if there were issues when those teams played each other or if there was just issues when that team played in general. Um, you want to find, and it's not to say that we're just going to be like, you know, buggering down on one player and only watching them if they were the most previous, you know, recent issue. Um, it's just things that you want to have in your tool belt so that you're prepared if and when something were to occur. Um, so you want to look at all of those types of reports that say, you know, good things, bad things about these players and teams and, and just kind of their standings um, to see if the game has any, you know, weight to it, if it's um, a qualifier match or if it's just a friendly um, and other than that, you talk to your other referees, let them know what time to be there, um, ask if anyone needs anything, kind of make a game plan, and then you get all your fuel ready for the match. I'm someone who burns calories quickly, so I yeah. got to make sure I have all of my snacks for before the game, halftime, after the game. Um, and then I make sure my ref gear is totally packed. I've got a full duffel that has all of the jerseys, all of the gear, all of the things you could think about. Um, referees are kind of dorky. We like to collect flipping coins and we share them around the nation. Uh, so that's really fun. So I've got a, a pack of those because you always got to do heads and tails. You have special coins for that? Yeah, we have special coins for that. So like in Bozeman, um, we had the students at Bozeman High create our most recent flipping coins. Gotcha. And the art department there did that for us. And so we were just like, whatever you guys think represents Montana, let's put it on a coin. And so on one side, they have a moose and the other side, they have a goose. <laughs> so instead of asking heads or tails, I always ask moose or goose. And, um, and then you can trade those out with referees from around the country. And can. so, yeah, OK. Yeah. So I've got almost all 50 states. <laughs> I know it's super dorky. <laughs> it's a referee thing, I think, maybe. <laughs> For sure. It, it sounds like uh, the kids at the Little League World Series trading pins and stuff. But, Pretty much. But very cool. Uh, yeah, so players, they trade pins. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. In the game, what's your what's your flow of consciousness like? It's different whether you're in the middle, whether you're refereeing or you're assistant refereeing, whether yeah. you're running the lines. So, okay. In soccer here, you have the referee in the middle of the pitch watching everything that's happening. And then you have you have one assistant referee on each side running the lines, looking for offsides, um, mm -hmm. looking for fouls on that side of the field, et cetera, um, just to explain it to people. When you're in the middle, what are you looking for? What's your flow of consciousness? How aware are you of, you know, what your positioning is, where you are on the field? Yeah, so um, it's all pretty well structured for a referee. We give you a lot of um, description as to where you need to be on the field and why and at what times. Um, there's channels that you're running through. You're always kind of wanting keeping the ball and the play to the right of you so that you can see through play to your uh, assistant referee with the flag on the side. You want to keep play in between you two so that you both have an angle of view. Um, the best thing to be able to do is always be able to see between players, keep a distance from the ball so that you're not being interfering with the play, and then keep yourself within distance or um, sight view of your assistant referees, just depending on, you kind of run this big S curve, um, sometimes an infinity symbol through the field into those different quadrants. Um, the biggest thing is eye contact on the field. I mean, you are like probably communicating with your other referees 80% of the time, um, non-vocally. Sometimes we wear headsets, 
Um, that's if you want to buy them because they're expensive. <laughs> uh, a lot of colleges do it now. They offer them to the referees, which is great. But in our youth and high school matches, we just communicate with little hand signals, um, flicks of the eye, little like head nods. I mean, our, our communication isn't seen, but it's it's heard between the two or three of us, which is really great. That has to become easier the more that you you work with a crew, right? Do you usually have a crew who you're with for an entire season, or you Not you're even bouncing? Close. Yeah, you're bouncing yeah. back and forth a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, you you'll probably maybe work with the same crew one other time that whole year. Um, definitely those one of those two people, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but there's no way that you're going to have you know that many possibilities and have them run up again just with the schedule and how things work. Um, so there's a general rule of thumb for communication. But other than that, you kind of have to just feel it out and trust your referees that they know what they're doing. Uh, but you also get to the field an hour before the game. And so you have these conversations of, these are my hand signals what are yours? Let's figure out how we can communicate together over the next 90 minutes. How many relatively high-level refs are there in the state of Montana right now, like high school, college level? We're really, really dwindling. It's gotten, it's pretty sad. There's a big gap between our youngest referees and our oldest referees, and there's not a lot in between. I would say five to seven. Wow. And you're three-person crews. Yes. We have people that come in from out of state when it comes to college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's maybe seven to 10, but really there's not many in, in Montana. And high school and youth, we have maybe 100. Wow. It's something that we've seen a lot and we, we talk about it on the radio a lot. The dwindling participation rates for referees, as Jordan mentioned, we see it in every sport. We see it in, in football where they're having to move high school games to Saturdays because there, there aren't enough refs in the state. We see it in basketball. I love Jordan talking about you know some of the reasons behind that, some of the abuse that they're getting, some of the reasons why refs don't want to come back after a year, why they try it and fall out. It's an important topic. We're going to keep talking about it. It's something where if you're interested in it, it's a great way to stay in the sport. It's a great way to make money. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to stay connected to it and to help out your community because youth sports, I mean, even the kids running around playing four-year-old, five-year-old soccer, it's it's a great thing for the community, but that can't happen without referees. Little PSA there, but it's such an important topic. Jordan, do you have info for, you know, if people are interested in, in getting started where they should go? Yeah, so we have a we have a main website that's just Montana Youth Soccer Association, and on there we'll have links to becoming a referee. 100% um, go look at those and just even understand what Montana Youth Soccer does for our community. Um, and the, the best thing that I think we could probably offer is our experienced referees can partner with newcoming and younger referees, and we can be that, that set of debrief like my dad was for me. And we can partner with them, go to their games with them, help them, and then build that retention rate and help them understand that while they're feeling this abuse and, you know, this overwhelmingness to maybe not want a referee again, you know, you just got to brush it off your shoulders and come back because it's for the players, it's for the kids. And being a referee is just a great character builder. I mean, the amount of confidence and personal growth that you can have as a referee is, is tenfold for any human. It's an important message. Jordan, a little bit back to the field here, because I just still have so many questions about what, what it's like. Mm -hmm. What was the, the toughest call for you or what still is the toughest call for you? What's the, what's the toughest situation? I think any referee will have to agree that making a decision in the 18 of uh, in the goal area is always really tough. 
Um, you want to be 200% sure that if you make a call and it's going in towards the goal, that you are just, you know, you're sure, 100% sure that your ARs are sure. Um, the toughest call, I would say, is standing your ground when you know you're right and everybody in the whole stadium is against you. That can be really, really difficult. And sometimes you just know it's okay that, you know, next game will happen. So. And that has to be confidence built up over. It gets easier the more that you do it, right? Because yeah. you have more confidence in yourself. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I study this game more than a lot of people. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it does. You, you study it, you learn it, you become, you eat, sleep, breathe, refing, And then uh, you have that confidence to be able to make those calls. And I think the hardest thing is, is just knowing that, like, you're doing a good job, even though everyone else might not think so. And they're going to go home and say how bad the ref was. And you're going to go home and be like, wow, that was so tough, but I killed it today. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do to study? Do you study? Do you watch professional games? Do you, what's the, what's the homework? What's the classroom like? Absolutely. So I read the, the law book uh, pretty regularly. It's like my little journal on my, my nightstand. And then um, I watch a lot of soccer. I watch way too much soccer on TV. No such thing. <laughs> and then I study a lot of... Um, different ways to referee. So soccer's always evolving. The speed of the game is always evolving. And if you're going to stick, you know, with the the basics that you learned, you're not going to grow as a referee and you will get yelled at for sure, even by a referee. <laughs> um, so th the best thing to do is to, to watch um, the, the fast FIFA games and try and be at that level because the more you do it, the, you know, the more it'll come to you naturally. You often hear, you know, commentators on TV when they're talking about the ref, they're often talking about trying to keep control of the game. Does that play into your mind where you always have the situation in the back of your head and you always have, I gave three yellow cards in the, in the first half. These teams are really going at each other. We have to sort of stop this from, from coming to a head. That's something that you have to manage all the time. Every single second of the match. Yeah. From the minute that you even walk up to the field, the hour before the game, you're observing the teams, you're observing the interaction between the teams, between just the players themselves of each individual team, and you're feeling the temperature. And maybe it's a cool 60, and then the match starts. And we've, gotten, we've gone up usually to about a 75 at that point because the match started. 15 minutes in, it might kick it back to 65. You know, we've, we've felt a flow. And then with every call, with every foul, with every decision and non-decision, the temperature changes. And so you're always reacting, and usually you want to be proactive to everything that's happening, but you are reacting, you know. Um, so, yeah, you're just constantly evolving with the game as it changes. And I do a thing where I point a lot. It goes straight up into my brain when I do that. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes you have to verbally say things like uh, something will happen, and you'll be like, okay, 38, you're in the book. And so you've said it out loud, you can now remember it. Now when the ball stops, you can go back and book that player. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just remember it like, okay, I've just booked 38. Now he's sitting on one yellow. If he gets one in the second half, that'll be a second yellow automatic red and he's out. Sometimes you can talk to the players. You can be like, hey, you're sitting on a second yellow. Let's be careful, use your head. Uh, so you're constantly talking to the players. Managing the game is a very personal yeah. thing. Like girl players don't really like to be talked to. Guy players sometimes like to be talked to. Interesting. Um, they, none of them really prefer to be talked to by a female. Sometimes, you know, a 50-year-old male 
is a lot more well-received than a 30-year-old female on the field. Um, it just kind of depends. You have to feel out your reactions, how they're going to receive your information. And then you just you sometimes call a tighter game. You call fouls that are a little more ticky-tacky just to calm the temperature down. Yeah. And then sometimes you let go, play go if you think that they can play through it and also allow the temperature to stay the same. So it's just a matter of tightening it up, loosening it out, whatever you feel is necessary for that moment. Thinking back to it, you've been doing this for a long time. What are what are games that you remember, either from the quality of the play on the field or from remembering things that you did well? <laughs> or things I haven't done so well. Um, I would have to say that one of my most memorable games happened at a regional national tournament, uh, President's Cup, uh, over in Iowa. And <laughs> it was supposed to be a 45-minute match, and... It was 37 minutes and I blew the whistle thinking I had already given two and a half minutes of um, extended time. And uh, everyone went ballistic. It was a semifinal match. And I had to apologize to the parents, apologize to coaches, restart the match and play another four minutes. Wow. And uh, I will never forget that, obviously. But then I've, I've had matches where the soccer was so unbelievable. I was so lucky to be in that game. I gave three red cards. There was a bloody nose and a broken bone. But it was unbelievable soccer at the same time. So, you know, there's, there's a few um, games that I just remember just because the soccer was amazing or I didn't do so good. And then there's just a few games where I had like my full support crew sitting there cheering me on. And it felt so weird because who comes to cheer on the referee? But I remember those games, too. Jordan Brown, an experienced ref from, from around the state, originally from Great Falls, but she's been doing it all across Montana and, and the Pacific Northwest and even nationally. A really interesting, unique viewpoint on the game. Really appreciate Jordan for sort of letting us take a peek into what that's like. Again, really, really important message. It's really one of the best things that you can do for your community, even at the lowest levels, is refereeing and, and taking the steps to, to learn about the game, certainly your knowledge of the game, whether it's soccer or baseball or football, basketball, whatever, they're, they're referee staffing issues across the state in all of those sports. But if you take the time to try it out, to get into it, you'll learn so much about the game. If you, you played in high school, it's a way to stay in the game. And of course, it's a way to help the community because we can't have these games without referees and without good referees like Jordan. So if you've ever thought about it, again, PSA, now's the time to do it. Montana Youth Soccer Association. Association's website. You can go there for any kind of info. I really enjoyed this. I feel like we've sort of just scratched the surface because I, I still have so many more questions, but we'll get you out of here. I'd, I'd love to have you back on, but we'll get you out of here. Just anything else that you wanted to mention that's come to your mind while we're having this conversation or anything else that you don't want to leave without putting out there you know not really just everyone who you know watches soccer plays soccer referees soccer just try to remember that referees are humans we're out there because we love the game and we want the players to have a good game so if you can just understand that as a spectator then you know won't be so harsh on us maybe it's an important message big thanks to jordan brown for for joining us here on soccer and snow and smoke soccer and snow and smoke brought to you of course by zootown sports cards as well as blackfoot communications big thanks to our sponsors big thanks to all you guys out there listening we'll be back with some more coverage of the women's world cup and then of course the fall is coming closer so we'll have content with some high school players throughout the summer and then montana grizzlies 
as well. We'll be talking to players and coaches, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. For Jordan Brown, I'm Andrew Houghton. This has been Soccer and Snow and Smoke.